Matthew chapter 7 and how you view prayer, how you do prayer, what Jesus said about prayer. Jesus is just, he's just amazing. Uh, so different. Anyway, Matthew chapter 7, let's read verses 7 to 12. We'll see how far we get today. Ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened to you for everyone who asks receives. <laughs> you hear what Jesus is saying? This is not um, just anybody saying that. Ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives. The one who seeks finds. And to the one who knocks, the door will be opened. Which of you, if your son asks for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will give him a snake? If you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give good gifts to those who ask him? So in everything, so in everything, so in everything, do to others what you would have them do to you, for this sums up the law and the prophets. So Jesus says some pretty strong things about prayer, and I don't know if you ever keep a check on answered prayer, the prayers that you pray, how many are answered, how many are not. I don't know if you evaluate why prayers are answered and why others aren't. But Jesus says some unequivocal things here, doesn't he? <laughs> he just says, Ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. In John chapter 14, verses 13 and 14, Jesus said this, And I will do whatever you ask in my name. Do you see that? So that the Father may be glorified in the Son, you may ask me for anything in my name, and I will do it. And then in John chapter 16, verse 24, he says, Until now you have not asked for anything in my name. Ask, and you will receive, and your joy will be complete. So let me ask you a question. How many things do you ask for? How many things do you pray about? What would, how would your prayer life change if 100% of your prayers were answered? How much would you pray? If 100% of your prayers were answered, uh, <laughs> the funny thing about the Christian life and the walk with, walk with the Lord is that the standard that Jesus set is like way up here, right? And we experience something most of the time a lot less than that, right? So what do we normally do? What do most people normally do? Well, the scripture must not mean that. Or we see these verses that say those things, but we focus on the, the, the prayers that aren't answered. And not only do we focus on the prayers that aren't, aren't answered, but we look for exceptions in scripture to explain why our prayers didn't get answered. Like... First John 4, it must, when you pray, it must be according to his will. So maybe I'm not praying according to his will. Or James chapter 4, he talks about having the right motives. He says, you pray and you don't get because you ask amiss. 
you're asking with the wrong motives. So, oh, I must be looking at the, I must have the wrong motives. Or another place says you need, you need to be obedient, and if you're obedient, your prayers will be answered. And so we focus on trying to find the, the exceptions, the reasons why our prayers aren't being answered, rather than understanding the total picture and looking at our prayers that are answered and being grateful and thankful for the prayers that are answered. But I want to expand this. I want, to, I want us to get a larger picture of all of this because these verses come right after, do you remember what we talked about last week? Not judging. <laughs> and Jesus is giving the Sermon on the Mount. Chapter 5, 6, and 7 of Matthew are the Sermon on the Mount. And he's talking about the Christian life. And it's probably the most famous sermon ever given. It's one that we've been walking through for, I don't know, it seems like months now. <laughs> and... There are powerful things in here, but in the middle of this, don't judge. And it says, those who are merciful will be shown mercy. We went through the Beatitudes and all the different things that he said. And now he begins to talk about prayer. And he says, ask and you'll get it. Seek and you'll find. Knock and it'll be open to you. Or like this, think of a funnel. You know what a funnel looks like? We use them for putting oil in a car, different things. Some people seem to have a funnel on their head that when answer prayer just comes in and it all just gets funneled right down into them and they collect a lot and other people the funnel is turned upside down and it's just that little opening and boy they got to run around and try to get an answer once in a while you know like you know what category are you don't have to tell me more of those answer prayers why is it that some people seem to have so much come their way and others find it difficult Well, I think that what we looked at last week was, uh, you know, do not judge. Well, let's look at those verses. The beginning, do not judge or you too will be judged. For in the same way you judge others, you will be judged. And with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. Why do you look at the speck of sawdust in your brother's eye and pay no attention to the plank in your own eye? How can you say to your brother, let me take the speck out of your eye when all the time there's a plank in your own eye? You hypocrite, first take the plank out of your own eye, and then you will see clearly remove the speck from your brother's eye. Just read that so that we can be refreshed with what Jesus was talking about. And then he says, ask, seek, knock. Ask, you'll be given. Seek, you'll find. Knock, it'll be open to you. Why does he follow up, don't judge, with... The most amazing thing about Jesus, and we'll get to it in a little bit, but I just feel like sharing it now. One of the most amazing things about Jesus is that he read the Old Testament. He read the law, okay? He read all those books of the Old Testament. He read the law that Moses wrote. He read the prophets. He read the Psalms. He read through all that. And his conclusion was, love God and love your neighbor as yourself. Everybody else read the Old Testament and said, well, I've got to do this, I can't do that. And it's just they saw law, and they saw restrictions, and they saw religion. So what was it about Jesus that he goes into the Old Testament? Because he didn't have the New Testament. He didn't have the teachings of Jesus yet. <laughs> he just had the Old Testament. And he reads it, and he says, you know what? This is what life's all about, loving God and loving other people. 
And so even when he comes to this, this teaching, he says, do not judge because what happens when you judge is you just, you hinder your own prayers. But he says, if you don't hinder your own prayers, just ask and you'll be given. Seek and you'll find, knock and it'll be open to you. To ask means to request God for a need. You want him to provide for a need for you. That's what it means to ask. And many of us, if not all of us, have needs. And so we are asking God to meet a need. That's what it means to ask. To seek means to provide a solution. Sometimes we have situations in our lives where we don't know what to do. I don't know if that ever happens to you, but I get that a lot. A decision needs to be made, or an obstacle needs to be overcome. I need a solution. I need an answer. And Jesus is saying, seek and you will find. And then he says, knock. Knock means to request God to provide an opportunity. To provide an opportunity. To knock means you want a door open to you. A door opened opportunity. And if you knock, that door will be open to you. Ah, and that's something. And he's, he's, he's saying these things kind of matter of fact. And, and sometimes we can read through the, the, the Sermon on the Mount and go, well, that's the ideal, but that's not real life. Have you ever thought that? You ever been tempted to think that? Well, that's just, that's, that's like way out there and I'm not there yet. But Jesus is so kind of matter of fact about it. Colossians chapter two, or 4, verse 2 and 4, it says this, Devote yourselves to prayer, being watchful and thankful. Pray for us, too, that God may open a door for our message so that we may proclaim the mystery of Christ for which I am in chains. Pray that I may proclaim it clearly as I should. Paul, very often when he asked for people to pray for him, was pray that I have that opportunity. Pray that I have that open door. Pray that the ministry that God's called me to, I'll be able to fulfill. Pray for that opportunity. That's what he often prayed for. And very often the things that we pray for are very focused on ourselves. Now, now we have need, and God wants us to pray. Jesus said, ask, seek, knock. But I, wanna, I want us to get a picture of kind of the attitude and the overall way that this is all supposed to work, because I think if we get this right, things will work better for us. They will uh, begin to flow. Look at verse 9 in chapter 7 of Matthew. Which of you, if you ask, if your son asks for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will give him a snake? If you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give good gifts? Yeah, I can say that. How much more will your Father in heaven give good gifts to those who ask him? So in everything, do to others what you would have them do to you. For this sums up the law and the prophets. Does that make sense? Does does verse 12 make sense? If we ask God for things, he'll give it to us. If a a son asks a father for something, the father will give it. If the the son asks for a loaf of bread, he's not going to give him a stone. If he asks for a fish, he's not going to give him a snake. 
And we even know that. We understand that. And then he says, so in everything, do to others what you would have them do to you, for this sums up the law and prophets. Um, what does that have to do with me asking? I'm, I'm telling you, Jesus loves curveballs. He loves curveballs to make you think. But it's, he, I think what he's trying to get at, and I'm going to show you another scripture, what he wants us to get a hold of is our whole attitude toward life and toward other people. And when we get that right, things will flow in our lives. You know, people, we had a lot of folks share testimonies this morning, and that's, I love that. We had somebody come to our church for a while, and they actually said to us, you know, you people are different here. You pray and you expect to get answers. Well, then I, you know, if we don't get answers to prayer, then I'm wasting my time. You know, we're all wasting our time. Of course we expect answers. <laughs> but apparently there's a segment of the church or Christians that think that it's just kind of a religious duty. They're just, you're just supposed to pray, and that makes God happy, and we want to make him happy because we don't want him mad at us, and so we don't expect any more than that. We're just, it's just one of those things we're supposed to do. Matthew chapter 19, here's one of these things and where I just have to laugh. It's another curveball. Can I just say that? It's another curveball. Matthew chapter 19, verse 16. Just then a man came up to Jesus and asked, Teacher, what good thing must I do to get eternal life? Why do you ask me about what is good? Jesus replied. There's only one who is good. If you want to enter life, keep the commandments. This guy didn't know who he was talking to. Which one? You want to keep the, go to the next screen. Which ones, he inquired. Which commands do I need to keep? <laughs> Jesus replied, you shall not murder, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not steal, you shall not give false testimony. Honor your father and mother. And up to that point, we're fine, okay? Because those are, the ten command, those are the, some of the Ten Commandments. And then he says, love your neighbor as yourself. Well, I've looked in Exodus chapter 20, and it's not in there. You hear what I'm saying? Love your neighbor as yourself is not one of the Ten Commandments. Matter of fact, I haven't found it in the Old Testament yet. Love your neighbor as yourself. He just made that up. Is he allowed to do that? (laughs) Is it in there? Okay. Love your neighbor. It's not in Exodus 20. Is it in Exodus 20? It's not one of the Ten Commandments. So, he put, so the guy said, which command? He said, well, love your neighbors yourself. Why did Jesus do that? Why does he throw that out there? Why does he say things like that? Which ones did he skip? Love God with all your heart. No, no idols. Don't worship a graven image. Keep the Sabbath holy. So Jesus says, well, don't murder. Don't commit adultery. Don't steal. Don't give false testimony. Honor your father and mother. Love your neighbor. Here's my point. Here's the point to all. The, I, this is my, what I take away from this as far as Jesus' attitude toward life. If we love God with all our heart and we live a life of love, 
then the dynamic of that life that we desire will flow through us so that when we ask, we receive. When we seek, we find. When we knock, the door's open to us. Why? Because our whole attitude is not self-serving, but it's looking for opportunities to love. See, Jesus lived that way. And so Jesus was just expressing in this sermon what he had found. He found that when he asks, he receives. He found that when he seeks, he finds. And he found that when he knocks, the doors open to him. Why? Because he lived from a a place, a position of not only dependence and humility before the Father, but a position of love. That's why he did crazy things that people couldn't understand. They were good things, but they were crazy from our perspective. When the woman was caught in the act of adultery, and she should have been stoned according to the law, and Jesus said, let who, he who has, the first, who has no sin be the first to cast stone. And they let her go, and he didn't accuse her either. Why? Because he was working out of an attitude of love for people. Realized the bondage that she was in, and so he was expressing the law, the fulfillment of the law, which is to love God and to love your neighbor as yourself. And so the question then becomes, okay, do I, need to, do I need to make sure that I don't judge? And do I need to make sure that I... Here's another verse in, in Peter that says, Husbands, honor your wives, because if you don't, your ha- prayers will be hindered. And so if I focus on all the things that I'm not supposed to do, well, is, is this hindering my prayers? 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 It's not the point that Jesus was making. Didn't want us to focus on that. He said, if you come and learn to just love with God's love, love with agape love, then the life that God desires for you will just flow. And it will be easy. But we just get caught up with ourselves, don't we? Why do we have trouble with people? Because they offend us and we hang on to the the offense. Or things don't go quite the way we want, so we get mad or angry. And we have a hard time loving. We have a hard time loving. And we get upset with God, too. We do get upset with God because he doesn't do things the way we think he ought to. But if we truly love him, love him, love him, get to know him. Jesus was talking about relationship, 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 not rules and regulations. And so I think that's the key for us. I want to be an instrument of God's love. Do you want to be an instrument of God's love? And not an instrument like a, like a surgical instrument, something that has um, utility and function, a specific purpose. But I mean an instrument like a violin some, or a piano a musical instrument that God can play a melody on that is unique to each one of us, that we can be a unique expression of his love and can flow through us to other people. That's what he wants to do. And it's to be a... a, We're we're to be a song. We're to be a melody. We're to be an expression, a unique expression of his life through us. And it's to add and to release beauty wherever we go. That's what Jesus did. 
He was an instrument in the God's of hand, in, in the hands of God. And look at the, look at the music that came from his life. Look at the life that came from his life. It was incredible. And he wants the same thing for us. And so it's not... So what I want us to understand is that there are times when we, we often make Christianity difficult and hard because we think too much or um, we complicate it with all kinds of stuff, ideas, concepts... And Jesus is always very able to, to, to get us to come back to the same place over and over again. He said in John thirteen thirty four, a new command I give you. A new command. Love one another. It doesn't get any simpler than that in expressing, does it? Love one another. So many things, so many of the issues that we find in our lives, if we say, okay, where's the love of God in this? Where's the love of God in my expression or in my approach to this issue? I'm having trouble dealing with these people at work, God. How do I do it? And if I just say, where's my expression of love to them? We'll very quickly and easily focus where, where I need to go with it. That's, isn't that right? Okay, God, how do I express love in this situation? Ask, it'll be given to you. Seek, find. Knock, and the door will be open to you. I believe that that's what God is looking for. Let's pray.